to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age well. And Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, another lovely Zestful Ager. She was a previous guest on uh, the podcast. Find out more about her at ZestfulAging.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. Hello, loyal listeners. I want to invite you to a free international web conference I'm participating in that's going to be excellent. It's the Envisage 2020 web conference on challenging ageism towards women. Join us November 14th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the intergenerational conversations on many topics having to do with aging and ageism. We're going to explore how to be anti-ageist and age-inclusive in our own lives. They've brought together some great guests, so mark your calendars for the Envisage 2020 web conference. It's totally free, and you can find out more on my website, zestfulaging.com. I hope to see you there. Well, I've got my coffee in my hand and my trusty dog Sparky beside me, so let's begin. Today's special guest is Aaron McDonald. Uh, after college graduation, Aaron worked as a zookeeper at the Rosamond Gifford Zoo in Syracuse, New York, and she worked with nocturnal animals, primates, as well as elephants. And you know I'm going to be asking her more about that. <laughs> After leaving the zoo, she managed a local doggy daycare, which she eventually purchased. And then she sold the daycare and she began work for Clear Path for Veterans. She works at the Clear Path for Veterans as a Dogs to Vets Puppy Development Coordinator and Canine Mingle Coordinator and Trainer. And she works with veterans that suffer from PTSD by teaching them how to train their dog. And the goal is healing through training. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. I, I know that you get a lot of questions, but I just cannot resist. You'll have to forgive me. You have to tell me what it was like to be a zookeeper. It was awesome. It was, I got the job right out of college, which I was very lucky. Um, and that's really where I, I learned my training. You know, the lab part of it, you know, you have your book reading and all that, but the actual hands-on and and lab part of it, it was amazing to train so many different species of animals. And because uh, the concept's oh. pretty much the same, it's just the rewards might be different, like dog treats versus carrots for llamas or yeah. um, jelly yeah. beans for the elephants, you know. Oh um, but it was an amazing experience and it, it's made me part of me of who I am today. Right. And, um, did you get attached to any particular species while you were there? Um, I was known as the bat lady. I'm, I mean, not that we knew the bats individually because they are in a colony, so, but um, I loved working with the bats. But you do get attached to some of the animals, um, you know, and if they, if they pass away, it hurts just like, you know, mm -hmm. a pet because you take care of them every day. But... Um, so you have a relationship yeah, absolutely, with them. Absolutely, absolutely. When, especially when you're training them, you know, you really kind of form a bond. And the primates are really close to us. So, you know, as humans, that when you're working with them, um, yeah, you just kind of form a bond. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Um, this might be a hard question. It's a broad question, but... Can you, can you say a little bit about what you learned about human-animal bonding? Um, from, 
my own experience, I guess. I'm trying to think if there's a particular incident that like really was on. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of one, but it didn't it didn't involve me. It involved my senior keeper. Um, she worked with the Lions. She was the primary keeper for the Lions. And um, he, the male back in the day, got something stuck up in his tooth and his gum. And, um, you know, and a protective contact, meaning that we don't go in with them. So through the gate, it, he presented his mouth to her and she was able to take, you know, um, a device and just kind of pull it out. Mm-hmm. So he had that trust with her. And I'll, I'll always remember that story because uh, they definitely had a bond. Um, for me, I don't, I'm trying to think, but there's, I, you know, I went through so many different animals, like I worked with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a training experience, um, I trained the llamas in the contact barn, and we did some demonstrations, and I wanted to kind of spruce them up, because, you know, I wanted to have a little more fun with them, and llamas don't like to really be touched, like they'll swing their neck back, and they're just very sensitive to that, so I was like, well, I'm going to teach them to it sounds so silly like circus like but it makes them think and Mm -hmm. I was able to start throwing a hula hoop and he would catch it with his neck but it you know you had to shape it it wasn't just like you bring the hula hoop out and he's like whoa what (laughs) is this but um that that to me was kind of like a special bond with us when we got to that point where I can stand a distance away and throw the hula hoop and he would actually go move his head to catch it was that, would you say that that was mental stimulation for oh, him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because the mm-hmm. demo we used to do with them was just, um, you know, brush them, and then um, people could pet pet them over the fence, and then, you know, in, take the hair out of the brush and show them the lanolin and the, you know. Oh. And I just, you know, I just wanted to do a little bit more um, in, in the training part. Plus, like I said, it does mental stimulation for the llamas as well. Hmm. Are there still animals at the zoo that you know? I believe there are still some. I mean, I believe Siri's still there. She was the oldest elephant, one of the originals. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if she wasn't, that would be big news. So, yeah, I think um, there's a few that are there still mm-hmm. since I left. You got to know her well? I worked with her, yep. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. she like? She was slow I remember her being slower than the others so when we so when we would be the the females were protective contact at, at, um, excuse me they were they were not so we could go in with them and we used to bathe you know bathe them and give them commands to lay on their side and scrub them they get morning baths so Sierra was very slow to do her spin and you know things like that where the other the others go really quickly so um, but she really enjoyed the male keepers that were working there for a really long time um, so you just had to be careful because she could be kind of snotty <laughs> to some of the female keepers. Really? But um, oh yeah, she definitely had a liking for um, you know the males that worked in the barn. Is that for typical? years? We're talking for years though. Yeah. They were like uh, Chuck. He was the uh, he was the senior keeper, and then he was the curator, and then you know so she adored Chuck. You know, and um, you know all the guys there. So how interesting. Yeah. Wow, I bet there's some just such fascinating behind the scenes stories. Oh yeah, I was I was able to witness um birth a birth of an elephant, a baby oh. elephant, which was pretty amazing. Um, we had volunteers that would watch on a camera, you know, outside of the barn, obviously, um, when it was getting close. Every night we'd have overnight watches, and then we the keepers would sleep there, and then when you know it was ready, we'd all wake up and be like, okay. So that was pretty amazing to, to see that, to actually be in the barn and see that. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I would imagine, too, that she would have to trust you to um, allow Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. I mean, we weren't, you know, we stand you were back right next and to let it happen. You know, let yeah. it happen. We'd only step in if there was an issue and the vet was, you know, right there, too. But, um, but yeah, it was a pretty amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And then to work with, with us, you know, a baby elephant. Mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. How how amazing. So we could talk about that for hours. Right. I, <laughs> you know, I'd want to talk about, like, I know there's some controversies about zoos, and yeah. then there's genetic stuff. There's a whole world we could yeah. talk about. But um, we should probably move on. And then you had... Um, you did the doggy daycare, 
And yes. was that a tough transition after coming from um, the zoo? What was that like? Um, so when I started, so I was in transition. I had left the zoo and um, I, I worked there working with dogs in a pack. Um, so yeah, that was quite a transition because I mean, it's the training is there, you know, the training knowledge is there, but you're working with, um, not working with animals individually, like you were at the zoo. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're in a room with, you know, 20 other dogs and trying to just really manage their play sessions and that they're not gonna get to little tiffs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was definitely something different for me. I was like, huh, okay. But in in the transition, I also worked at a vet clinic for like six months, and I I, I chose not to do that because the, it wasn't positive for me as far as like dogs are coming not feeling well or this other. Mm -hmm. I had to you know my first standing in with the vet and my first euthanasia. I mean, I was like crying with the owner. I mean, mm -hmm. I just couldn't do the the medical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So the doggy daycare for me was more positive, and these dogs are coming in and fun and you know mm -hmm. playtime. Mm -hmm. But then I became um, manager of it, and then things started to shift a little bit more to like HR and running the staff and all that. Mm -hmm. So the tr mm -hmm. I trained classes in the evenings, um, but it shifted. And then of course, when I bought it, I was still trying to maintain the training aspect of it. Um, but that kind of, it's like I had to let something go in order to run the business day to day. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, that was definitely different because I wasn't training too much anymore. I was, you know, doing HR stuff, stuff I didn't go to school for. Mm -hmm. And it was a great experience, great learning experience. I mean, I, I learned payroll. I know, like, <laughs> QuickBooks. I know a lot of, you wow. know, stuff that I... accounting stuff. Exactly. Oh. But, um, but after 10 years of owning it, that's when I said, you know what, I really want to get back into training and I won't be able to do mm -hmm. that as an owner of a business. How did you know, and I've asked this to different um, guests before because there's so many transitions, you know, as, as we age, and I'm so curious to hear how you knew it was time. Because I was becoming somebody that I didn't want to be. <laughs> hmm. I was becoming so bogged down in, like I said, the HR stuff, the hiring, the firing, and just... Well, to not, I don't want this to turn into anything negative, but I, you know, I was getting angry at a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. um, things that I'm just like, why can't this be done this way, you know? And because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I, it's my personality too. I, I am, almost, I'm a perfectionist, and um, I just got burnt out. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't want to become this person. I was mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I was going down the path where I was getting angry, and that's not me. I like, mm -hmm. I want to be happy and. Mm -hmm. You know, like anybody, you want to be happy and yeah, you want right. to enjoy life. It just and wasn't, it wasn't doing it No, for because you. I wasn't, what made me happy, I have to stop to think, what made me happy is mm -hmm. training dogs and seeing their progress and then seeing the owner be happy because their dog is now, you know, mm -hmm. now not lunging at somebody or, or jumping. Or, yeah. Um, and I wasn't, there was, that wasn't rewarding because I wasn't doing that. It's, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, the whole rewards with dogs and yeah. you weren't getting rewarded. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you're at the, I hate to say it, but like, I don't want to sound like pompous, but when you're at the top, there's no place to go and there's nobody to reward you for yes. what you do. Oh, for sure. You know, um, I mean, my clients were always grateful and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I actually have one that always sticks in my head and you run a tight ship here. Oh. I'm like, yeah, I kind of do kind of yeah. have to keep the dog safe. But, um, yeah, so it just wasn't, you know, it was. I was just becoming somebody I didn't want to be. So. Well, you know, I don't know if I made up this quote, but I pretend I do because I say it a lot. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean you want to do it. No, absolutely yeah. right. You're yeah. absolutely right. It makes sense. <laughs> so you, you made that realization. You were getting a little irritable and not feeling like you were getting, you know, fed with the stuff you liked and then did clear path come along or how did that how did that emerge so funny story <laughs> okay so I bought the business from Melissa Spicer she then became my trainer as I owned the blueprints oh. so I brought her on to be a trainer and and a guy put a note on my desk said something about training da, da, da. so I passed the buck I am going Melissa can you call this person Mm -hmm. Melissa calls it the person that was a veteran and he wanted to do something with dogs to help veterans. So 
she kind of went off in that direction with with him and still training but the training was um not as frequent at at blueprints where, where i owned and uh so long story short clear path came about so the co-founder was melissa spicer steve kinney and her sister um, melinda and basically then you know so that happened in like 2011 so i kind of lost her as a trainer but she went and started that up so mm-hmm. and, and we're also friends so I've always still had a, you know, a relationship with her. A sort of, yeah. yeah. It's funny how things circle back around. But um, so anyway, so, you know, I owned it for 10 years um, and then I wanted to sell it. And I talked to Melissa and Melissa always said to me, if you ever want to sell it, let me know. She goes, maybe I would buy it back. So I let her know I was ready and she actually bought it back, but um, with partners mm-hmm. because she knew she wouldn't be able to be there as much you know mm-hmm. with running clear path so um so she bought it yeah so she's half owner of that and i sold it and she asked me to come on board and train so it kind of was like oh wow it's a real collaboration yeah yeah mm-hmm. so then i wound up being um i kept my llc and i wound up being a consultant for them but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't working anywhere else. So it was kind of the same income all the time. So I said, ah, it's easy to just put me on the books, you know. So mm-hmm. then I just, just started working for them full time. And um, yeah, I've been there about, well, I sold in November 2016. So mm-hmm. I've been with them since. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player and I have three dogs and being active is really important to me and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped so I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market, so you have to make sure the product is tested by a third-party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Proze, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, Lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is zestful. Thank you. So could you take me through a typical day for you at ClearPath? Or there are no typical days? Well, it depends on the day. Like today, my team canceled. I was supposed to go uh, training offsite at Destiny. Um, because he's almost ready to go take the service dog test, but he had to cancel today. So, like for example, tomorrow on Tuesdays I have a um, foster class that I train. So we have some puppies, and uh, the fosters bring the puppies on Tuesdays at eleven o'clock for a class, and we train them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually tomorrow I have a CGC test out. So Canine Good Citizen, I'm an evaluator. So one of the teams needs to be tested out. So I'll be doing that. So it does vary, but it's training. And, you know, there's some administrative stuff to the Canine Mingle program, signing people up for the classes and such. But those classes run in the evening. So we have contractors that come teach them because mm-hmm. that would be a long day for me Oh yeah. <laughs> to train after, you know, that. But um, so I do some administrative stuff with that. But uh And then, you know, Wednesday I have, you know, Wednesdays and Thursdays I have team training. So my teams come in or if we're off site, we go off site somewhere and train. So I currently have three teams right now. Teams of uh, meaning a veteran matched with a dog. Sorry. Got you. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what a team is, a veteran and a dog. Right. So they we're training them to hopefully 
fingers crossed, go to service, to become a service dog. Not all of them make it, but we have other avenues like emotional support dog or therapy dog. So the, Where do you get your dogs? So we've been working closely with Helping Hounds. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them in the past have come from Helping Hounds. And we just started, uh, we got puppies in, it was an experimental group, so they're a mixed breed. Um, somebody knew somebody who had them, so we're like, let's try. Mm-hmm. Because when you're raising a puppy, you can shape them. And when you get a shelter dog, you don't know their history. So when you have benchmarks and teams are supposed to graduate in 18 months to two years Mm. uh, sometimes instead of meeting those benchmarks we're working on behavior modification um, of say something that's come to fruition um, reactivity other dogs like a bad habit absolutely okay and that's a lot harder to undo undo it so then we might be spending a couple months on that and we're kind of so we figured we're going to try experiment with some puppies and our biggest thing right now is, is just getting a big foster pool um, for even flex fosters. So if the foster is going away on vacation, I can throw out an email and say, hey, d- these dates, we need a flex foster. Mm-hmm. That's probably been one of the biggest challenges it, um, because, you know, they, it's hard. You have to give the puppy up after a year old or, you know, a year and a half. So mm-hmm. that can be hard for somebody. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so, so that's a typical day. <laughs> so you... Um, you would have the puppy and the veteran work as a team, and you are showing the veteran how to train the puppy. Right. It's so it's a it's an owner owner train trainer model, which means we're basically training the veteran to train their dog. Mm-hmm. The puppies aren't getting matched with a veteran until they're at least a year old, and right now they're six and seven months. Um, we have two different litters. We have black labs and shepherd mixes. So they're not match it. They're with the fosters. The fosters come in for the training. But the ones that have their own dog come in with their own dog, mm-hmm. which again, depending on how old that dog is, it's been a pet for X amount of years now. We're trying to turn it into... I mean, service dog is very strict. I mean, you know, it's it's on the news how these fake service dogs are out there and they're given bad names and da-da-da and public access. So mm. it's uh, because there's no federal law. Um, the peop- You can train your own service dog. There's no test. Um, the, the, the veterans that we train, if the dog becomes service, they, we back them up mm. through clear path. But they're trying to get more strict with that, especially on airlines. I don't know if recently you've seen there's... Been some problems. Yeah, so... So, uh, do you see the uh, the the veteran ever work... So it sounds like if they bring their own dogs, um, mm. you would, but... Do you see the development of the relationship with the veteran and his or her dog? Yes, absolutely. So so usually with training, whether it, whether it's a veteran or not, even when I had my daycare and taught classes, and people are like, well, I just rescued a dog, but it, no sitting down. It doesn't matter. Go through a basic one class because it's going to also help you bond with your dog because you just got it. Mm-hmm. Um with with veterans it's it's the same thing it's it's that bond so if we match a veteran up with a dog sometimes it doesn't work out they'll take it home do like a two-week trial and go "Mm." like they're just not meshing well Mm -hmm. and you know and you can tell um that it's that it's not working because i'm sure you see you have dogs Mm -hmm. that you can see when when there's a bond there you know when the dog's just so some some do work out and some don't but um you know, it's far and few between most of the most of the time they work out. It's it's just again, veteran or non veteran, you mm-hmm. go to a rescue and you have a high energy dog, you know, you're not gonna match that with a couch potato. Mm-hmm. If somebody's a runner, they might say, This is the dog for you. Mm-hmm. If you're apartment living and you're working a lot and you might want to get a bulldog, you know, they're a little less energy. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing, you know, like we have shepherd mix puppies right now, high high energy. An English lab puppies. Mm-hmm. They're a little more like, you know, lackadaisy. <laughs> They're the so, definition of shell. So we, you know, we're going to take that into consideration, yeah. obviously, when we're ready to pair them with their veteran. Does the veteran take any kind of personality test or any kind of like, this is what I like to do? Oh, yeah. There's the a huge screening process to go through for, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's interview processes. There's paperwork. Um so they have to be obviously seeing a therapist, 
be di- diagnosed with PTSD. They have to. That's part of yeah. The, oh, that's part of the to, application process. They have yeah. to. Go, oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's 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 a process, and we so we we do some interview questions. Or we the the manager of the program, mm-hmm. um, and we have um, a cons. Uh, I don't want to say therapist, but. Uh, mental health specialist mm-hmm. that does like a second interview mm-hmm. because we're not trained for that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's not what you're there right, for, right? So that way they can see if there's any red flags because if somebody has anger issues, you want to make sure they're not going to project that on the dog, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak, or any, you know, anything. Who knows? So yeah, there's there's an interview process and screening process. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody's at drug or alcohol abuse and still you, you know, you're not gonna, you have to get clean first. You know what I mean? So Are people, strict. Do people feel very motivated to be in yeah. the program and say, I'm going to get yeah. clean so I can have a dog? I, I think so. We, mm-hmm. we have some success stories um, of that. I have a team I'm training right now who does not drink anymore. And, uh, and actually is, a, is very in tune with his dog and is an excellent trainer. We want him to come back and help us train dogs. Wow. So that's a really, he's a really good success story for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we do see that for sure. And it's, again, there's the rewarding part of my job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Hmm. Is, how would you put into words what happens that is helpful between the service dog and the vet. I mean, is there, how do you describe that? You mean the, so the dog helping the veteran? Mm -hmm. Well, each veteran is different with what they're going through. So we teach what's called tasks and it might be hard in the beginning for them to open up this where the clinician might come in and say, they might tell the clinician or they, they might notice something. So a nervous tick, you know, if they're starting to get anxiety, if they're shaking their leg or, anger you know is starting to brew um we can do a task for that where the dog will then interrupt the behavior by nudging them with their nose or pawing them and then that way it at least will break the behavior and they can kind of bring themselves to the present yeah so so but you know each each veteran is different on what so when i ask like okay what tasks would you like to train and i I let them know what's available and Mm -hmm. really sky's the limit honestly Mm -hmm. um but pretty much those are some of the ones. And then if they go out to public access and they want some space between them and people, you know, they can use their dog to stand lengthway so that, like online at the grocery store, you know how sometimes people come right up behind you on the conveyor belt, put their stuff down, and it's like, come on, back off. <laughs> they can use their dog, you know, as um, to, uh, to create, create space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they won't get anxious because that person's right behind them. So there's um, all sorts of different things um, that they can do. They we teach them to pick things up, you know, um, cell phones. Um, that way they can, if they need to, go get something, the uh, medication bottle, a bottle of water, anything they can go, you know, fetch it for their their owner and bring it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just depends on what what they're looking to do for their service dog exam. They have to have three tasks under their belt. I'm thinking about PTSD, and of course, one of the hallmarks are flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you task a dog to help with a flashback? Well, if they have night terrors, is it, if it's at night, we can teach them to um, turn on a light switch. We can teach them to take the blanket and pull it off the owner or just stand on them, stand on their chest for pressure so that they wake up. Um, so there's a couple different things. Again, it depends, and that's where sometimes it help, it's helpful for the spouse to let us know what they do when mm. they have night terror. So Because we have to train it so that as soon as it starts, the dog is right on it. You know, the mm-hmm. dog's aware. So if, you know, so if it depends on the situation. If they wake up to just the light being turned on, then, then that's all we would need to do. If they really are tough to wake up, then maybe the pressure of the dog standing over them or pulling the covers off might wake them up. Um, so yeah, so that's for night terrors and then, um, you know, flashbacks again during the day, if they start, we would have to pair it with something that they do. And that's, that's one of the things that helps us. And sometimes it's not easy for them to tell us what, Mm -hmm. what it is. Um, but if they start to just zone out or again, some kind of tick, they move their fingers, Mm -hmm. tap their foot, the dog, that would be the cue for the dog to come in. And I, um, they get upset and they put their hands in their head and um, you know they're crying or whatever. 
we ha- we can have the dog nuzzle their you know their hands to break their hands away from their face and lick their tears. So it really you know it really just depends, and then we have to practice it. So they almost they have to fake one of these episodes in order to get it but then the dog can pick up on it when they have it i mean even our dogs are you know our pet dogs they know when we're upset they're very so they're very in tune with it yeah so we're just really mitigating helping them to mitigate the symptoms wow wow how is it for you to i mean it sounds like there's a lot of loving connection and healing going on but certainly if you're talking to people who have PTSD um you know there's there's trauma behind that how do you keep yourself (laughs) positive or well or balanced given that environment um well I do my Pilates (laughs) So there's that. Um, the good thing about ClearPath is, you know, we have wellness there. So they offer modalities, polarity, acupuncture. Um, and, and if somebody cancels, you know, they'll come and ask the staff, hey, you want a massage? I don't, I don't take up on that just because, I mean, it's there and that's mm-hmm. great. But to me, it's work. So I don't, I just don't, I don't know, I'm weird about that, I guess. But, uh, but uh, you know, I go home and I just, I... I can't say I meditate because I, but I just try to think positive and uh, I, I exercise, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm not gonna lie and say it's, you know, it doesn't bother me sometimes. But um, you know, you can't let that stuff bring you down. You gotta keep going, mm-hmm. <laughs> keep going. So, do you continue to have check-ins or relationships with some of the veterans who and their dogs who have graduated from the program? So for me, I'm still mm-hmm. fairly new. My teams that I have right now, because I've only been a year and a half, and the program's about 18 months. My teams will most likely, two out of my three, will graduate. Um, and then the ceremonies are always in October. So I can't answer that as far as any anyone who's graduated. Mm-hmm. But I will say that... The trainers that are there and their teams that have graduated, yeah, they they keep in touch unless they moved. Like some of Snowbirds, they go to Florida, mm-hmm. but they do for the most part keep in touch. I mean, honestly, you have they have. I've been contacting the ones that are due for a retest because you have to take a retest after a year in order to be, you know, backed up by ClearPath. So, um, some of them have moved to North Carolina, wherever, and we just can't get them to to you know come back and do a retest but mm-hmm. uh we're trying to work on being able to do it via video oh. um so we, we you know but but then sometimes after that we just i mean for the most part i i feel like yeah they're they're local and and they've come back to use other um programs but i personally can't say that i've because i don't have mm-hmm. that yet i don't have mm-hmm. that yet <laughs> right 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 <laughs> What is your hope for the program? What would be a great um, sort of uh, development of this program? What would you like to see? Well, I'm I'm hope hopefully seeing it pretty soon. So my manager, he's he's launching um, a, a little separate part of the program because we have our service dog program and there's a huge wait list and it's not just with us. Anywhere that they teach train service dogs has a wait list. It's a huge need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, somebody might be stuck on the wait list for a year. I mean, wow. we've, we've only got four trainers, you know. I and you got to remember everything's funding. So what's in the works right now is, um, again, trying to just change the mindset and say this is um, healing through training. This is going to be a 6 months program. And it's not just, it's going to be obedience, but it's going to be fun stuff. We're going to be like agility, things like that. And at least it's getting people off the wait list, but they're not going in there with the, the mentality that my dog's going to be a service dog. Mm. But it also give us a look into whether or not that dog has potential through this program. I see. And at least we're giving them something rather than sitting on a wait list for a year. You know what I mean? So for me, that's huge because I'm really excited about that program. Because it's not all the pressure, too, that you're trying to take a dog and and their genetic makeup, depending mm-hmm. on you know what they're what they were bred for, mm-hmm. and turn them into this perfect little dog out in public. And it's like I said, it's really hard, you know. But okay, so your dog may not be able, you may not go to service, but you're but you have a bond with your dog, and you can 
still say the dog's great for service because it loves people oh, go take it to you know go through the therapy dog um test they have other options they can take it to a hospital take it around children you know what mm-hmm. and it's still getting them out and not mm-hmm. isolating them mm-hmm. provided they're you know their personnel well, they're okay to yeah. to mm-hmm. do that but there's just so many other options that could help them but the the mentality is like I want a service dog I want a service mm-hmm. and sometimes you know people are asking me about service dog and I think they're just asking me because it's a cool thing to have, honestly. Like, it's like, well, you know, we're just training right now for people suffering PTSD. I and they're, see. you know, oh, well, okay, no, I don't have that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, for me, I would love to see this program really, really like just explode. And in that six months, have the veteran see where they, how they feel where they can go but through the training experience and saying yeah I, I get it and my dog won't make it to service but mm-hmm. that's okay yeah that's I got okay. what I needed right because mm-hmm. the whole point is to heal and help you so now in the one case they quit drinking the wife's so happy called crying you know and so in another case you know it might be like well I got out today to the grocery store they didn't need their dog to do it you know, even if they were in the store for five minutes or, you know, every case is different, but I would like to get that service dog mentality a little bit more, um, push on the back burner so it doesn't become a crunch. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I hate to say it cause I'm not a clinician. I'm, I'm a trainer, mm-hmm. but the whole point is, so you train a service dog and say they have a service dog for six, seven years and it retires. Do you need another one? Or are you good now? You know, um, it, the whole point is to heal. I see. It's, it's that's a fine line. Yeah, you know, and it depends on what everybody goes through every day in their life, and right. you know, something could trigger it again. And but if you've learnt, gotten the tools to get to learn to get through it, mm-hmm. then you may not need a service dog. You just need your dog. Build <laughs> to, your to go confidence. Everywhere you go. Right. Yes. Right. Like it's a you've you've um, kind of develop those steps right yeah. and those steps you can still go to public access mm-hmm. but those stores that allow it Lowe's Home Depot and then maybe you know, bring your dog to get out and do that and then build your build your confidence to get out in those pet friendly places and then you may not need a dog to go with you everywhere you I know see. What I mean? so I kind of so for me I would like to see a program that would benefit through those other avenues Mm-hmm. And still have, and still let them, you know, understand that you're not on a wait list. Like we're still trying to help you, but this mm-hmm. is this is what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, something's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and it might be enough, and exactly, yeah, and it may and it may not, perfect. and that's okay. Yeah, we'll we'll take that step when you know when we see that that's. And their, their dog, if they brought one in and it's just not going to be a service dog, and so to say, okay, well, and this person really needs it, you know, through what we're seeing and, and the clinician, um, then we match them with one or we get one from a shelter and we try it again. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's always like a, a conveyor belt of like trying to push dogs through to service within an 18-month period. But then we, you know, because we, we have grant money and things like that, mm-hmm. and they want to see product. I see. Rightfully so. I see, yeah. Where yeah. does your funding come from? Um, all different grants. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's more of a question for, specifically for, um, I'm not 100% sure the names of oh, yeah. no. pri- private donors. Oh, um, you know, and yeah, a couple other some of our bigger mm-hmm. ones but uh yeah that's a question for the manager that's but so fun. so that way it would just be less um feel more like less like a, a business that you're trying to produce a product and it's yeah. a live animal to get yeah. to this point so that we get the funding for I it and, see. and we don't want to put out bad product right i mean I, I we have a volunteer that comes and walks the dog she she used to foster dogs for cci canine companion international which they raise like golden retrievers and labs for uh, disabilities, uh, more physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. She said out of the 12 that she's raised throughout her time, um, two made it. So that just gives you an idea. Oh my goodness. 
of hell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so that's why we have to. Mm -hmm. We are asking a lot, and that's why we need to come up with other avenues Mm -hmm. to still heal through training. That's why I love to heal through training. It's healing through training. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that sounds very wise. How do veterans hear about your program? Well, we do. We 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 have an outreach, you know, (laughs) program. representative but so they go do a lot of events um we do it's a a lot of word of mouth as well once you Mm -hmm. start getting because they've been around since 2011 now um but it's still amazing to hear how many people have not heard about us Mm -hmm. so um but we have yeah we have outreach um peer support we have dogs vets we have wellness we have culinary so there's a ton of other programs right but the dogs to vets were what started the uh clear path mm-hmm. <laughs> through oh. blueprints oh wow <laughs> yeah so oh they're wow. the, you know they're like they're hmm. right um have you learned i mean you've all you were already an expert in animal training and then you were at the doggy daycare and so you know a lot about dogs did you learn anything new of course always really? always 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 yes because i never task trained I never, I mean, we would do tricks, you know, like classes. Yeah. Oh, most people just want to do a high five with their dog. or <laughs> yeah. you know. But to actually say, okay, I need, I need my dog to interrupt this behavior because, you know, a person's starting to get angry. I'm like, okay, so it's in my head on how to shape, like how to... All the steps. The steps to get there. But I'm going, what, like what... What triggers it? You know, like, what do you do that I need to match this with? And I always have to, like, think of the steps. And then I am and then I think, is there a faster way to get there? Only because, not that I want to rush it, but sometimes veterans want to rush it. You know, everybody, you know, like, I want my dog to stop jumping on people and I want it today, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, always the task training is my favorite but I had to learn some of the, you know, like go through my brain on what steps do I need, you know, and and I always asking advice for from other trainers and stuff. It's fun to just bounce ideas off each other. Well, what if we try this? Oh yeah, let's try it. Mm-hmm. You know, because what works for one dog may not work for another dog. Like in their brain, they might work differently. Mm-hmm. So, um, are there particular breeds that lend themselves to being service dogs? Um, well, you'll. I mean, we went to a conference, ADI. It's Assistance Dog International. We saw a lot of Goldens and Labs, mm-hmm. and you know they're energetic, um, but also male at the same time. You know, I have somebody who um, has pointers, and they're just the pointers are having puppies, but they were bred to hunt. We're not going to want that. That's going to be just yeah, yeah. So um, we've seen German shepherds, um, but we raising shepherd mixes right now. It's it's been a little bit challenging just because they have their they're very smart, um, but they are also um, there's just different things about them. Like you compare them to the English labs we got going on right now, and like. They get anxiety if they're in a crate too long or they want to be around people with the labs. Oh, I'll go in a crate and just plop down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's all those other things. You don't mm-hmm. want a dog to start barking and, and crying in a crate. That's going to oh, stress, that stress somebody out, yeah. you know, somebody out more, a veteran sure. out more. So, so yeah, I mean, it's really different. But you will see in the field a lot of Goldens and um, labs. Um, but like I said, I've seen Shepherds. I've seen, um, I've seen Rottweilers. We predict... Personally, Clearpath won't train for service bully breeds because of the public perception. Okay. Um, I know, you know, pit bulls that are great, mm-hmm. um, you know, boxers. and that We can train them to emotional support dog, but um, we don't train them to service because that public access and, and just the public perception of those breeds. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? Retired. Retired, yeah. <laughs> and volunteering. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to um, retire 
younger than, no, I don't want to say younger, but, you know, to retire at 55 mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. nowadays is not really feasible. People work till the 60 something. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I had a plan early in my twenties and I was aggressive with it. So it is possible, mm-hmm. but I'm also not the type of person to just sit still and do nothing. Doesn't so, sound like it. <laughs> so who knows? I may work till, till I'm 60. I do mm-hmm. see myself at clear path, um, whether it's mm-hmm. being retired and volunteering or, um, just the program is growing and growing. We're outgrowing our space. So um, there's going to be hopefully some um, a project, a uh, capital campaign project where we're mm-hmm. going to be building and ours is the first one because of the need. So we would hopefully be getting a new building and with three different training rooms. Right now we have one um, and lots more space so we can add more classes <laughs> how many clear paths how, how many programs like yours are through the country is or how unusual is this um well we have we just started they started one in new england there's a clear path new england now mm-hmm. a lot of people um are starting up programs now that they've heard about clear path really um and not just throughout the united states but internationally i was just gonna ask you yeah um, actually, we just had a staff meeting, and the Melissa, the CEO, she mentioned that, so that's pretty awesome. Do you think you'll be traveling overseas to? Oh, that would be awesome, but <laughs> yeah. no, I don't. No. no, I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not there yet. Like right now, with New England, my manager goes down there and makes sure they're running programs right and doing mm-hmm. things. Um, and but maybe down the line, you know, mm-hmm. I just if I if I move up the scale a little bit but not right now I don't foresee that mm. but yeah people want to um, kind of use our program as a guideline and start doing their thing which is great because it's not it's not a competition we're giving back to the veterans who mm-hmm. came home to sometimes nothing like the Vietnam vets back then they the PTSD wasn't even around it wasn't mm-hmm. even heard of so now, you know, we need to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's good that it's spreading. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. Um, are there, uh, the podcast goes out to a wide, uh, it's, it's international, but for the people who live closer, um, are there particular ways that they may get involved or donate? Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about what our listeners might do to help your uh, sure. the we, initiative? Well, we have obviously a website, so um, it's it's clearpathforvets.org. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and on it, it will you can go, if you want to volunteer, there's a volunteer tab. You can mm-hmm. go on there, the application's right there. And then you, you know, it would just ask you questions and where, because like I said, we have wellness, we have facilities, which is like right now, a lot of volunteers are planting, you know, flowers and things like that. So they're doing the grounds work, mm-hmm. um, events, the, you know, doing the mega Murph of events, um, this Saturday, a lot of setup for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so things like that, um, depending on what, what they're interested in culinary, you know, every Wednesday we have what's called canteen and it's a meal that, um, chef Chris makes and he's an amazing chef mm. and um so he makes the meals and veterans and their family can come and eat have lunch mm-hmm. um so you can certainly donate by volunteering you can donate you know your time uh there's the donation tab on the website okay and there are um wish lists there should be wish lists on I believe they're on our website under each program and so if you want more of a tangible thing like for us you know we, donating food but it's a specific food that the dogs are on of course um you know things like that so yeah so there's there's it sounds like there's uh all range of small things large oh, things yeah, different of course kinds. Yeah, yeah yeah so that that sounds uh that sounds great any any last words uh you'd like to uh share with our listeners about what it's been like for you uh, personally as a woman going through these career changes and and being a part of Clear Path for Veterans? No, I have, I have no regrets. I mean, everything that I've done has been a learning experience, whether it's good or bad. I mean, owning the business, I lost so much money just making stupid business decisions, mm. but I learned from it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't take it as like, 
oh my god you know I mean mm. at the moment you do but when you reflect back um, I just yeah I have no regrets I mean my this path has been always been an animal path for me mm-hmm. so I don't ever foresee myself doing anything other than working with animals mm-hmm. <laughs> Aaron thank you so much for telling us all about your interesting life I know our listeners are going to love hearing about this and I, um, I expect that they will be going on your website, clearpathforvets.org. Is that, is that right? It's not where it might become, I'm sorry. Okay, well, we'll... we'll It'll come up. Okay, it, we'll, it, yeah. we'll find it. Uh, but I really appreciate your time, and it sounds like a phenomenal program. And, Thank you. And um, I appreciate your, your doing the work. Well, thanks for having me. It's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.